Dublin's Talking Sport with Ken Doherty and Reggie Corrigan. Sponsored by insuremycars.ie. Low cost car insurance specialists. See how much you can save at insuremycars.ie. On Sunshine 106.8. Dublin's Talking Sport. Welcome to Dublin's Talking Sports podcast with me, Ken Doherty, and my good friend, Reggie Corrigan. Thanks for tuning in to catch up on the latest GAA, football, rugby, and all the crack. Enjoy the show, and don't forget, rate and review wherever you get your podcasts. Reg, how are you? Absolutely How are you, Reg? Uh, Yeah, what a match last night. My God, I tell you, Ken. Uh, <laughs> like, I, I was talking to you during the week about it and I was kind of saying this is going to be a tough one. I did not fancy our chances at all going down no, to Marseille. No, no. South of France, the home of rugby, as they say, uh, a, re- a really strong French team, albeit uh, Dupont not there or whatever. But Ireland, unbelievable. Incredible. Blew them away. Blew them away, yeah. The atmosphere last night, I mean, even around Dublin watching it, it was quite incredible, you know, and uh, they performed so, so well. It was incredible. Yeah, absolutely brilliant performance. Yeah. No, I, I suppose um, there was a lot of people wondering about after the World Cup what was going to go on and would there be that this this famous hangover that they talk about. But the hangover mm. was definitely there, but it was for the French, not for our lads. So, um, well, that's yeah. it. Now, with the Six Nations won now, Ken, sure we can just <laughs> sit back and relax now for yeah. the rest of it. <laughs> yeah, simple as that. Simple as that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is no. indeed as simple as that. No, but I mean, it's not, it's only how many times Ireland have, have, have beaten France on their own patch over the years? Not not many times at all. So, no, and no, particularly by that scoreline, record scoreline as well. Yeah, I think it was only three or four times before that. That was the highest scoreline we've ever done um, last night. Uh, obviously, we play in Paris mm. for the most part. We don't play down in Marseille, yeah. but the uh, Stade de France is being uh, renovated for the Olympics, of course, which is happening later on this year but it was a record yeah. score yeah we don't beat them I mean I, I never beat them over there uh, came very close we lost yeah. about three points in 98 uh, but uh, yeah it's just unheard of that you that you beat France now I'd say the backlash from a French point of view I mean Twitter will be very interesting today now to see what the they always analyse the French papers L'Equipe in particular uh, will be they don't hold back in the French media I'll put it to you that way so they no, 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 based in no. those lads so it'll be interesting to see what yeah, 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 yeah. Mm. But, um, yeah so well, thankfully we don't speak French, so we're all right. You know, we won't know. <laughs> I've heard you speaking French, Ken, at about three o'clock in the morning usually. But uh, <laughs> it's, it's, no, double Dutch, double, double Dutch. Dutch yeah. That is, Reg. <laughs> it's true. Listen, tell me, uh, the snooker is going on at the moment. The German Masters is on, so yeah. uh, plenty happening there. Yeah, plenty happening. Great venue, uh, the Temper Drama. I was over there during the week. Fantastic atmosphere. The Germans, uh, they really love their snooker. You know, it was a fantastic uh, quarterfinal yesterday between Trump and Higgins. Trump eventually uh, came through. And even before that, just getting to the quarterfinal, he won the Bet Victor series, which uh, is an extra bonus as well for the person who performs uh, the best in, in the Bet Victor series, the German Masters. Uh, the European Masters, the English Open, and so forth, you know, and he won an extra 150,000. So it was a nice little bonus before he went in to play Higgins. But uh, he eventually, well, it's 2 1 down to Higgins, eventually came through 5 2. So he's in the semi final. 
against a young lad from the northeast called Sam Craigie. Yeah. Uh, which is a great performance by him. And the other semi-final is CJ Wee. He was in the semi-final of the World Championship last year. You might remember him. Mm. Uh, he was 15-4 uh, up against uh, Luca Brassell and ended up losing 17-16. Uh, Quite incredible. And um, and he's playing Karen Wilson. So, yeah, good good semi-final lineup. You'd expect Trump to come through. Uh, but you never know with uh, Sam Craigie. You know, he's... Uh, He's a, a young player coming through and he's really good. But Joe Trump, I would say, would come through that. The other one could go either way, I think. CJ Wee or Karen Wilson, that'd be a cracker. Hard to see Trump getting beaten uh, from this point on, but uh, yeah, you know he'd have to be favourite, wouldn't you think? Yeah, he'd be a big favourite. I mean, he's he won three tournaments in a row there before Christmas. Uh, you know, he was in the final of the, uh, the champion of champions. Uh, so he's having a good, really good save, very, very consistent. He was in the final of the Grand Prix. I sort of beat him in the final of the Grand Prix as well. So he's having a, he's having an amazing season, and he's dominating really. And the only one that's really uh, has been better than him this season is probably O'Sullivan. But he's he's been better than O'Sullivan in the ranking tournaments. O'Sullivan has won the UK and the Masters and the Grand Prix as well. So uh, the both of them have been um, the best players so far this season. So, uh, yeah, very, very good. And Trump would be favourite, but you just never know. Never know. That's the way it goes. Okay. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, so during the week in the football, uh, hell of a match, my God. It, oh, like, wow, wow, wow. What a know, finish. It, it nearly shot themselves in the foot <laughs> again, but uh, the goal, yeah. some of the goals were just incredible. Just incredible, weren't they? Yeah, I mean, we were watching it together and we just couldn't believe it. It was just, uh, you know, when it went three all in the 97 minute, was it 96 minute, and they equalised, we, we thought, oh, well, here they go again, you know, 3 1 up. Could have been, actually, when they went 2 0 up, they could have been 3 or 4. You know, the game would have been out of sight, but yeah. you know what, you know, you are like these days. Uh, they're leaking goals left, right, and centre, and it just can't all onto a lead. I mean, going up for a corner, they ten men in in, in the Wolves half for the corner, and uh, and eventually Wolves break it back, and and they end up scoring, and that was the equaliser. But Kobe Mayno, I mean, what a player! Eighteen years of age, Reg. You know, so cool, so calm. Uh, you know, in the middle of the park. But what skill for the mm. goal! I mean, it was just incredible, and what a finish! You know, it was real. You know, you know, you'd never do it easy. They'd never win it easy, and many times have they won in the last minute over the years, and they did it again. And what a, and what a way to finish! Fantastic, you know. I suppose what's been lacking in recent times, though, is yes, in the years in the past, um, you know, we always remember Giggs' goal and the famous mm. goals over the years, but they've done it in the past, but they haven't been able to do that of late, and that's been the big problem. Yeah. So, like, a 2-0 lead, lose that 2-0 yeah. lead, maybe lose the game, uh, and then fall apart. This time, 2-0 lead, comes back to 3-all, and they still come yeah. back with no time left in the clock, and they still come back, and they get their, their <laughs> yeah. results. So that's probably what would be a bit more satisfying for you as a United supporter. Yeah, I think I think it's just, just a win. They needed a win, you know, uh, Without a doubt, you know it was the same against Newport. Even in the in the cup, uh, you know two 0 up came back to two ball. They eventually got through for two in the end. But yeah, they're just leaking goals, you know. And their defence is still the, the keeper is still poor, oh, yeah. you know. And they don't really have a, a really sort of rock solid defence, you know. And uh, a bit gung ho at times, you know. As I said, like three two up, you, you get men behind the ball, you know. You don't send ten men up for a corner, you know. But it's a bit. 
it's sort of like uh, Ryder or over stuff, you know, at the moment. But um, they're getting, they won today, but they're still a long way off, you know, the top two, or top three or four teams in in the Premiership, which is which is a bit, um, you know, sad for for Manchester United fans. But uh, they need a they need a good clear out, Reg and. And uh, but I, t- I still think Ten Hag is the man. I like I do like him. I must say, and it shows. I think I think the good thing it shows is that the team are still together. You know, even the troubles that they've had, yeah, uh, they're together and they're fighting for the manager, which is a great sign. You know, and uh, they're not laying down the tools like they might have done for previous managers over the years. I think he still is the man. He just needs some more investment and some better players. You know. And is he safe? Do you think? I mean, from I think he is. I think he is. Yeah. yeah. I mean, this season hasn't been great. I mean, they're still what eight or seventh in the in the Premiership, which is that's not Man United, you know, and it's not. It shouldn't be, you know. Mm. They should be in the top, uh, fighting for the Premiership, you know, the, like during the Alex Ferguson years, and and that hasn't happened for quite some time. So. Um, Yes, I, I still think he is the man. I mean, there's not many, many, many better managers out there. And I think with, with some more investment and some sort of smarter investment, uh, I think he uh, he could take that team a lot further. But uh, there's a long way to go, to be honest. You know, there's a lot to do over there. And uh, the proof will be in the pudding between now and the end of the season, you know. Yeah, and... Um I suppose they're they're chasing Liverpool. They have a game in hand. Uh, Man City are sitting there in second place. Um, yeah, Man City. I mean, not not United are chasing Liverpool. Man City are chasing Liverpool, yeah. and they have a game in hand. Five points behind them. Klopp's announcement. All the bits and pieces that are going there. Do you think Liverpool will hang on? They're playing decent little football. I think the way they're playing. Yeah, I mean, I thought Klopp's announcement. It was go, go either way. You know, it either disrailed the team uh, by the shock of the news but probably the team members might have known about it for a little bit of time but it, in fact it has, hasn't had any effect on them in fact it might have rallied the troops even more because they played superb against Chelsea during the week mm. uh, they seem to be flying very high they win a lot of games and they're, they're winning games even away from home you know by the odd goal uh, which has sort of kept them and, and you know kept them right up there and putting a lot of pressure on City so the pressure will be on City. They've got a tough game against against your team the weekend yeah. against Arsenal. That should be a cracker down at the Emirates. Uh, so that will uh, that will certainly test their metal. But they're they're flying high. You know the club's announcement must have been a shock to to all the supporters. You know because he's been successful. You know been there for eight years and says he doesn't have the energy anymore. But uh, yeah, it was a big a big a big shock for everybody. But uh, it hasn't affected the team at all and probably. You know, it might uh, it might even do them good. Like you know, and as I said, it might rally them. It's time to join Stephen O'Brien for the NFL and all of the latest news as we get down to the business end. The business end being, of course, we're all now Swifties, isn't that right, Stephen? <laughs> oh Jesus, we are. <laughs> Can we talk about that for a second, Reg? Oh, sure, I know people don't want to talk no, about. Everybody else Look, is. We might as well. Ah, come on, we, we can't be uh, falling behind. No, look, here's my take on it, right? For what it's worth, um, I think it's great. Uh, the, the thing is, is that I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. No, I'm not. Uh, her music is good, though. Um, but look, let me just say this. This has generated massive interest in the NFL. So, you know, they've, they're bringing the games to London. They're bringing the games to Germany. They're trying to sell jerseys. And then Taylor Swift comes along, right? Throws her arms around Travis Kelsey, who's a beast, by the way. Um, and she's generated approximately $330 million for the NFL and the Chiefs alone, just in jersey sales. But look, people are getting annoyed about a red, right? And, and the anoraks out there are saying, oh, this is disgraceful. 
or what, trying to watch the games and they keep going to Taylor Swift. Like, they've calmed it down first off. It was a bit annoying. The funniest thing I've heard about it was is that when she started dating him, right, and he's a tight end for the Chiefs, and she'd go to the games and she'd be up in the box, um, and they'd score. It'd go straight to Taylor Swift as if she was the offensive coordinator for the Chiefs. <laughs> they'd sort of, instead of going to the sidelines and seeing his team celebrate, zoom, right into Taylor Swift, and then her stats would come up. Uh, the other funny thing I heard was is that Taylor Swift has made the Super Bowl in her first season with the Chiefs. <laughs> it's just like, oh, talk about records. Yeah. Um, but look, the, the thing about it is is that they don't do that so much anymore. But what I would say is is that whether people like it or not, Reg, you and I included, is that she's worth a billion dollars, right? She's mm. the biggest pop star on the planet right now. And I would imagine that if it was Michael Jackson in his prime, right? Forget all the nonsense that went on, but Michael Jackson in his prime and he was dating, you know, a WNBA player. The minute he stepped in the stadium, there would have been absolute pandemonium. People would have looked to him. And Taylor Swift, whether we like it or not, and all the old footy duddies are going to be giving out and moaning about it, but she is the modern day you know, superstar. So she's in the stadium. Yes, they're going to go through. Yes, it is a big deal. And she's generating massive money for the NFL. So look, I'm here first. Um, you know, I, I'm here for it. I, I, to be honest, it doesn't bother me one way or the other. I don't know enough about her, but uh, I, fair play. She's a superstar and it doesn't yeah. make one bit of difference. The only mad thing that I heard during the week about it was the fact that uh, people were coming out with conspiracy theories that the Chiefs games were rigged so that they would get to yeah. the Super Bowl to promote uh, NFL. Now that is daft. Do you want to hear a worse one? Do you want to hear a worse one? Okay. Is that the Travis Kelsey, te- this is a conspiracy segment, is Travis Kelsey is got COVID vaccinated and that Taylor Swift is only going out with him to sort of highlight his vaccination status and then she's going to say that she wants to vote for Biden in the presidential election to get Biden in. That's the... Okay, that's the, that's, that's, that's the madness. The madness has reached pinnacle. <laughs> All on. right, fair enough. All right, let's move on. The Chiefs beat the Ravens uh, to make the Super Bowl, and that's their fourth time in five years, and it's all lining up nicely for uh, for a great Super Bowl. Yeah, I, look, I don't want to get ahead of ourselves, right? But I do think, and the Niners are in it as well, not the spoiler alert, right? Uh, but I think the Chiefs are going to smack the Niners in this. And uh, look, but before we get there, this game was incredible. It was incredible from the beginning, Reg, right? Because we saw footage of, and this is pretty typical, the kicker for the opposite team will go down to the end zone where the offensive players are practicing for the opposing team and they'll do their warm-ups and stuff like that. It's been happening for forever. Um, but pre-game footage showed the Ravens kicker down in the end zone where Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey were working out and they were picking up his kicking tee and throwing it away and kicking it. Uh, they were getting his helmet and throwing it away. They were getting his gear. And so it just seemed like there was sort of animosity at the beginning of this game. And it was a big storm before it. But look, this was a brilliant game. I mean, Ravens, Chiefs, offensive displays. It was strong defense. And before I get to Patrick Mahomes and we start swooning over him, Lamar Jackson for the Ravens, incredible. There was a touchdown that he made to um, Flowers. And it was just unbelievable. It was over everybody. Lamar Jackson, in fact, and look it up if you haven't seen it. Uh, he threw a pass. It got bobbled up into the air um, and tipped. And he ran and caught it himself. I believe that's an Irish folklore, Reg, that story about the Ku Cullen, you know, punting the ball to himself. But look, the Chiefs offense gets all the plaudits. 
um, and rightly so, Travis Kelsey, who we now know as Taylor Swift's boyfriend, uh, he broke Jerry Rice's postseason records in this game. And Jerry Rice seemingly were going to hold those records for forever. So he's a legit player. There's so many highlight plays that he made. Uh, but the number one thing that came out of all of this was, number one, the Chiefs' defense is absolutely ridiculous. It's sick. Uh, they were number two in the offseason. They've went on the road in the playoffs, which is unusual for the Chiefs because typically they're a number one seed um, and they played lights out. But the, the bigger thing to come out of a reg, and this is sort of goes to you and me, is that uh, you know Patrick Mahomes took his top off after the game and he has a dad bod. So, I mean, look, we... You and I, there's still hope, Reg, that we could one day make the Super Bowl in the condition that we're in. Absolutely. So I'm happy about it. Yeah, I, I, no, you can't beat a dad bod. That's the way it goes. And by the way, it wasn't Brian Brew. It was Brian O'Driscoll. He passed the ball to himself in a game against Ulster. I remember it well in Lansdowne Road. And uh, look it right. up if you don't believe me. It's on YouTube. Okay. Uh, the Lions, on the other hand, blew a 17-point lead to the Niners. And the Niners uh, made it through. So that yeah. was a hell of a comeback. Oops! Yeah, look, the Lions are in the division with the Packers. I can't be too spiteful, right? Because, um, but I will say is that the Lions and the Niners in this game, the Packers beat both of these teams, um, you know, and had the ability to beat both of them, and we just couldn't get it over the line. But we're up twenty-four-seven in the third quarter, Reg, and I've seen this capitulation. I believe the only time I've wept openly on the radio, shirtless, was when the Packers lost the NFC Championship game in twenty fourteen, um, and this was similar to that. They were up seventeen points. The Packers were up sixteen at the time. And Dan Campbell was doing great. He was running all over the Niners. It looked like he had it in the bag. But I've always criticized Dan Campbell for his super machismo. Uh, you know, he has this quote about ripping kneecaps off and all this nonsense, right? So we had a couple of times in this game, Reg, where they were on fourth down and they had a chance to kick a field goal and go up even more points. But of course, what does Dan Campbell with his aggressive nature do? He goes for it, but they don't get it this time. Now, I will say they've had loads of success doing it during the season. But you kind of have to look at it and go, this is the postseason, the Super Bowl is on the line. Do you want to just kick the extra points and put the game out of reach? Or do you want to do your macho stuff? He did his macho stuff. But look, it comes down to there's some really incredible plays in this game. Only one I'll mention where uh, Brock Purdy, quarterback for the Niners, passes the ball right down the field. It smacks off a Lions player's face mask. Bops up into the air and Brandon Ayuk for the Niners comes in and catches it. Like, you know, just impossible. It can never be replicated. It's a miracle catch. And that's what they had to do to beat the Lions in this game. But look, at the end of the day, Reg, as you say, they blew a 17-point lead. They don't go to the Super Bowl and the wave continues for the Detroit Lions. Okay, well, it is uh, uh, next week. So uh, who do you see winning it? I see the Chiefs. I can't get past the Chiefs. Look, the, Mahomes, this is his fourth Super Bowl in six seasons as a starter, which is just madness to begin with. The only people that were able to beat him, Reg, were um, Tom Brady and the Bucks. You know, like, I mean, it takes a high-caliber person to beat Patrick Mahomes. Not only that, but the Niners' defense are struggling massively, particularly against the run. Um, so when you have... Patrick Mahomes passing it to you, which is where you're supposed to be good, and then you can't stop the run. It's a recipe for disaster. Also, the Chiefs' defense are number two in the league. Now, look, the Niners are no slouches, right? And we focus on Brock Purdy and the fact that he was Mr. Irrelevant, you know, drafted very late. But they've Christian McCaffrey and they've Debo Samuel and all these tools. But look, the Niners have had to come back from deficits against the number seven seed Packers, again against the Lions, and they won't have that luxury against the Chiefs. The Chiefs are not a team that will take their foot off you when they're beating you in the uh, you know, in the playoffs, in the Super Bowl. And Patrick Mahomes is capable of coming back from a deficit as well. And Travis Kelsey is absolutely playing out of his mind. So, I go, of course, we're going to break it down next week when the game is going to play mm -hmm. next week. Yeah. Uh, but early primer, I'm going all Chiefs. 
Oh, jeez. Okay, that sounds good. Um, yeah, I think... Uh, any news on the halftime show? I, I, did, I didn't listen into that one. I know it's said. Who, who, who did we say it was again? Oh, sure. I know oh, you sure. got very excited when Shakira was rolled out and then Rihanna as well, Reg. Um, yeah. You were, you know, shuffling in your seat, but it's Usher this time. He's yeah. good, though. I mean, they're like some absolute bangers. I like bringing back the old timers, like Usher and stuff like that. But um, yeah, it's going to be good. And then, they've, of course, it's as we're going to talk about it next week, but it's this whole fanfare. Not only is the, the halftime show, there's a pregame show and then they have Post Malone. He's coming out for that. And then to do the national anthem, they roll out another Hall of Fame country star. So it's the pageantry of it that we love. Absolutely brilliant. Yes, that's what it is. So next Saturday, we will be doing a full preview of the halftime show with about two minutes of the game itself. All right. Stephen, as always, get back to your Taylor Swift downloads there and uh, get your homework done for next week and we'll be all set for that and look forward to catching up with you then. Cheers, Reg. Go Swifties. It's time for rugby now and I'm delighted to be joined after that wonderful win last night by South African but really honorary Irishman Dan Van Zyl. Good morning, Dan. Welcome to the show. Uh, morning, Reggie. Yes, thank you, man. And I'm glad we can support the same team now in this competition, you know. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Well, you know, we've won the Six Nations now because we won last night. It's the same as when we were in the World Cup. We'd won that after the first couple of games as well. So uh, all is good in Irish rugby. But joking aside, I have to say... Uh, a somewhat surprising result from my point of view I felt we were going to be under a lot more pressure than that last night I didn't think we were going to win if I'm perfectly honest about it Um, but I'm delighted that we did and what a performance it was Yeah, no, definitely look, you know, the record says it you know, how difficult it is to win in France and then after the World Cup you know, both teams coming from that hangover of not going through to the to the semi-final, but the way Ireland responded was was excellent. You know, um, I thought they were outstanding. Although I must say, I haven't seen a French side looking so bad, if I can use that word. Um, you know, even in the first round of the Six Nations for a long time. Yeah, I, I, you can use that word, and I'll use an even more stronger word. They were appalling at times. Their their, their co- skill levels were atrocious. Their pack were supposed to dominate us, and uh, our lineup was brilliant. Um, and we interfered with theirs. And really, from there on, once their set piece, they had one or two key scrums where they looked like they were going to put pressure on us. But in general, we held up really well. Our set piece did great, and they just didn't seem to have a plan B. And when that went wrong for them, and obviously with Willemsen going off with the red car. Um, they yeah. just seemed to fall apart, didn't they? No character. Yeah, no, I mean, Ireland, you know, always come out of the blocks quite well. And I was very surprised about the lack of line speed that France applied. You know, there was no no line speed. Um, their connections in defence seemed all over the place. And then, as you say, during the week, everybody said about the monstrous pack that that, friend, that France picked and so on. And Ireland, from, from the first line-out, and we were all worried about that after the World Cup as well, but the line-out was excellent last night. You know, the scrum uh, for me was, was very good. And I just think overall, in every department, Ireland was just so superior, you know. And, uh, of course, there was plenty of talk around uh, the younger players and how they'd react. Um, 
and the selection during the week I mean he seemed to get it perfectly right uh, uh, Farrell you know he just he went with O'Mahony as captain so some people were saying that O'Mahony shouldn't be in that back row that maybe it was time for, for a change but he proved his worth last night then Crowley coming in at 10 uh Loads of questions around that. Would he manage the, the game well? What would he bring? Would he suffer under the pressure that there was going to be down in Marseille? None of those things happened. Nash on the wing had a good game as well. Um, the centre combination, good to see Robbie Henshaw back playing very, very strong yeah. rugby again. You know, all in all, uh, there were big games across the board from the players that a lot of media pundits had question marks around it before the game. Yeah. Yes, no, you know, the Sexton one, obviously the most, you know, how will Ireland respond without Sexton? And that probably pleased me the most, you know, because looking from, from outside, as, as we all do, uh, you know, Sexton is a very control, controlling guy, you know, controlled that team for a long time and, and did very well. But there was almost a freedom, I felt, with Crowley there. Crowley, you know, he made mistakes, you know, grubber that he kicked over the dead ball line and a cross kick that went to nobody and so on. But but he had the freedom to play and the way he drove the team, I, I was very impressed with him last night, making the mistakes, missing the kick that could have been a vital kick and, and just coming back, you know, and, and just doing the next thing and the guys playing off him. I think more guys took responsibility as well. So um, my little fellow was watching with me and he asked if Joe McCarthy is now Ireland's even it's a bit. So, um, you know, Joe played excellent and and gave that go forward to the pack and, and probably give more balance now in that um, selection, you know, where they can move Tyke Byrne to the back row if they want and, and bring James Ryan in with with Joe McCarthy. So I think overall, as you say, the youngsters stood up and... Um, you know, just a just a all round good performance. Although I wouldn't say they were as good as what they were in the World Cup, and that is the pleasing thing that Ireland can still probably improve ten to twenty percent on last night's performance because they made a lot of errors. Yeah, I, I agree about Joe McCarthy. I mean, I was raving about him here last week on the show and saying that he should be picked, and thankfully he was. a uh, Phenomenal player, and, you know, a bit, as you said, even Ed Ebsbeth, he's the version of that, the Irish version of that. Like, he's an athlete at 120 kilos. He can move, uh, you know, yeah. for, for a man who's so big, he can shift. And also, Ty Byrne, uh, whose form had kind of taken a little bit of a dip, I thought, but maybe that was just that I was seeing him in a Munster jersey, and Munster's form and taking a bit of a dip because you know they, he wasn't playing as well for Munster as he had been for Ireland and I was wondering about that was it the right decision and then he came into that Irish jersey and he was just phenomenal again last night the line he took for that try was amazing um, and you have to say you know poor old James Ryan who has done nothing wrong either uh, will be sitting there scratching his head going I'm, I'm going to struggle to get my way back into this second row Yes, no, I and but look, that's that's what you want, you know, and and they might, you know, injury or or whatever happens, Tyke Byrne can move into the back row again, as I say, and and so on. But no, I I got to say with with Byrne, O'Mani, uh, Van der Flyer and um, Doris, you know, and then Sheehan and Porter, there's so many um, contesters on the ground that if you're ruck. Uh, speed and your ruck technique is not not at the at the level required. Then you know you're going to get turned over by Ireland all the time. 
Yeah. Okay. Well, let's uh, move on to the rest of the Six Nations, of course, which is on this weekend, and uh, you know it, it's a highly exciting uh, weekend of rugby. But um, two cracking matches. You wouldn't ordinarily think that the uh, Italy England match would be a showcase match, but the, I suppose the whole point is England are at such a strange place in their evolution with this team. We don't know where they're at. We don't know how they're going to play. Um, they're, they're just all over the place. They've no Farrell, you know, they've got changes afoot. There's lots of players who have retired, left, given up, whatever. And uh, I, I kind of fancy Italy to, to run them close in this one. Look, Rich, I, I won't disagree with you. You know, England for me is the unknown. They can come out of the blocks and play very well. You know, they've made a few selections on form, although, you know, he's, he's still loyal to, to quite a few guys. But Northampton is playing exciting rugby and good to see some of, of their players getting rewarded for it. But nobody knows about England, you know, and I text me and a friend of mine was texting last night and I said this could be the wooden spoon decider you know in the first round um, you know so it is a vital game for both to get a, to get momentum and then Italy with their new regime they've actually got probably the most experienced team um, with with the least changes and, and so on and a lot of guys from Benetton and Benetton is in, in great form Dublin Sporting Communities, funded by Commission the Man, with the television licence fee on Sunshine 106.8. Absolutely, and indeed, every week we love to talk to uh, our local community clubs and the difference that they're making, and today I'm delighted to be speaking with Brian Sutton, President of Arbor Hill Boxing Club. Brian, you're very welcome to the show. Good morning, thanks very much for having me. Absolutely, great to have you. Yes, Arbor Hill Boxing Club, tell us a little bit about it, when was it founded? Okay, it was founded in 1929 by a priest... Father John McLaughlin and a Garda Sergeant Jimmy Cullen and uh, Army Sergeant Ned Kennedy, and uh, it went from strength to strength. Uh, Father McLaughlin was president of the IABA, and uh, it was one of the better clubs in the 1930s and 1960s. Was their heyday really, where uh, they had most success, and it's worthy of note that three members from the club uh, represent from the one club, Arbor Hill represented Ireland at the Olympics, Brendan McCarthy, Eddie Tracy and Mick Dowling. So uh, we're going from strength to strength and we're part of the community in the north inner city. Absolutely. And uh, big names there, of course, the Mick Dowling being the one that stands out more so. Uh, a fantastic um, boxer in his time as well. And tell me, you know, your mentions goes all the way back to the 30s when it was founded. Was there a big scene in boxing back in those days? I mean, like what, what was the local club scene like? Yeah, boxing exploded then because it was sort of the sport of the community. Mm. And again, our catchment area is the North Inner City, which is important part of the community with the service we offer, the sport that we offer both male and females. We refurbished the club there recently and uh, we have good facilities for both male and females. And uh, our catchment area is the North Inner City, as I said, Cabra, Castle Knock and O'Devony Gardens with the development there at the moment. Mm. We're going to we're going to canvas that area in relation to getting more of the boxers in. And we cater we cater for everybody. We we turn nobody away at the door. We're waiting for another Kelly Harrington or Katie Taylor yeah. to walk through the door and to be able to develop them. 
And it's funny that you mentioned the, the, the two women there because uh, that is an aspect of the sport which has really grow, gone from strength to strength. I remember years ago watching Mil- Million Dollar Baby with Clint Eastwood um, and, and you watching, you know, th- that was kind of, at the time I was thinking, well, we have Katie, there's our Katie on screen, but it, like it's just exploded female boxing since then. Absolutely. The female, the Katie Taylor, the Kelly Harringtons have led to huge female interest in the sport and, and long may it continue. We have about between ourselves and Avona now we've the pre- premises rented off the military and uh, we've subled it to Avona who look after Tuesdays and Thursdays and Sunday mornings. We train on a Monday, Wednesday and Friday but again we cater for the females and it's great to see them coming through the door and about a hundred boxers use the premises on a weekly basis and 20% of them would be female which is great. And is it hard to encourage more members to take up boxing? There's a lot of sports competing for, uh, you know, the kids of, of areas now. But um, is it hard to, you know, the way pe- pe- people might have their concerns over boxing and it being such a tough sport? Well, yeah, but amateur boxing is, right, you can't competitively box until you're 12 years of age. So we, t- we take them at nine and they can do pads and they can do bags and they can do other things to upgrade the skill level uh, uh, with a view to entering competition when they when they reach the age, uh, boxing gives a sort of uh, sense of purpose, personal development, and achievement. And as McDowell said years ago, when it, when he was boxing against an Italian in Rome, and there was thirty thousand people in the auditorium, and I think it was Jimmy McGee asked him, "Well, how do you feel about the crowd and the hostile crowd?" And he said, "When when the bell goes, it's only me and him." Yes. So it's a personal development rather than a, a team sport, and it it brings out the best in people. Yeah, it has to be one of the toughest sports. I had um, my first cousin boxed for years. He went, he won European Championships, Marvin Lee, and uh, I remember going along to the stadium and many different venues to to watch him playing over the uh, boxing over the years. Um, it just struck me that, as you said, it's one-on-one, but the physical effort, the fitness of, of to be a boxer, you think you might have a go at it. We did it in training a couple of times, hitting the pads with the boxing gloves on. After 30 seconds, you're knackered. It's a, it's a serious level it of is, fitness yeah, you need I, to have for boxing. I, I sometimes bring club teams in yeah. and at the beginning of the season as a bonding session. They do, they do one or two sessions at it, and they, they can't believe that after three minutes either hitting a bag or, or sparring that their arms are hanging off oh, them and for professional boxers do 15 rounds of that or even 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 amateur boxers doing three three minute rounds yeah. it, it requires a high level of fitness indeed yeah it's intense now obviously running these clubs isn't easy is finance uh, like everything you said there you've gone through refurbishment to the club I suppose you have to do a lot of fundraising in local uh, in the community yeah we're getting good support we get, we get good support we take a, a minimal contribution with true subscriptions but we have a bit of sponsorship going we got a, a sports grant which helped us develop the club there and we reopened it again in 2016 because the roof needed replacement which was which was a huge undertaking and President Michael D. Higgins came and officially opened the refurbished club and from then on the, the interest is still there we're still getting the big attendances and we're waiting. We're waiting for the for the world champion to to to, to, to develop a, another world champion from Arbor Hill Boxing Club. Yeah. And and speaking of development, so what what is the process and the pathway? Is there um, inter club championships first, and then work the way up into national championships? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, before entering, first of all, 
when I boxed, which was which was the eighties, you you had to win Dublin, and then you had to go into the Leinsters, and then you had to go into the All Irelands, and it was a fella fella in Wexford I could never beat, and 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 that was the end of my boxing career. But at the moment, what happens is there's interclub competitions where Avona and ourselves would take on Docklands, and and we'd have uh, sessions like that, mm. and uh, then you, you go, the IABA run structured championships for for junior intermediate and elite boxers with a view with a view to putting them forward for Olympics Olympics this year and it's worthy of note that out of 31 medals that are won in the modern Olympics 16 of them for, are for boxing so we, we must be there's doing something there's no so, question boxing we must is be our doing most something successful right, yeah. yeah it's our yeah. most successful sport there's yeah. no question about it in yeah. terms of yeah. Olympic and, and meddling so there's a, a rich history amongst Irish people of, of being good boxers indeed indeed yeah. yes yeah. yeah. so um, any anybody that we should be taking note of that you've got uh, hidden away there a little gem that might come through for the future no no we live in hope we live <laughs> in hope and we give everybody a fair, a fair crack at the whip and uh, uh, we try and develop them and indeed on the community engagement point of view it it is a distraction for, for fellas that wouldn't make the higher grades and it might take them away from other antisocial or, or criminal behaviour that they might be involved in so we encompass that and the IABA have, have this club diversity and inclusion charter mm. it's a 360 that uh, the bottom line is there's, there's room for everybody in in the square ring and, 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 and that's what we, we take all comers. Absolutely brilliant. Okay, so um, if there's anybody out there listening who's interested in joining or uh, maybe their their kids might be interested in joining, whatever, is there, where, how can they get in Arborhillbc.com. They get all the details they want on arborhillbc.com. Absolutely. Okay, well, Brian, it's been an absolute pleasure uh, talking to you today. Thank you for telling us all about Arbor Hill Boxing Club and the wonderful work that's going on uh, there and in the community and another one of our great clubs doing so much good work for our community. Thank you, Richard. Dublin Sporting Communities, funded by Comishoon the Man, with the television licence fee on Sunshine 106.8. Hectic week ahead of us um, in, in the GA world. I'm delighted to be joined in studio by the one and only Sean Lane. Morning. Morning, Sean, how are you? Morning, Reggie, how are you? You're in good form, I'd say, after last night. I'll tell you what a win it was. I was um, somewhat surprised by the result. I won't tell any lies. I didn't think we were going to get that result, so I'm so happy that I was proven wrong and that the Irish team... They they never fail to surprise me, uh, Sean. That's the thing about it. They they just... We, every tournament, like... Uh, they just silence all their doubters so it, it should really be the case it doesn't matter where they go even down to Marseille the bed uh, you know the, 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 the heart the belly of the beast as they say the heart the heart of rugby in France they went and got the results so I'm delighted with that but anyway it's time to move on to uh, GA and I suppose this week we'll start with the ladies yeah Reggie it's, there's not a chance we'd cover everything here this morning but we will start with the ladies um, obviously the Dublin meet Mayo game uh, away uh Mayo got a great win last week against um, Galway, 2-5 to 10 points, managed by Liam McHale. The two goals came from Lisa Cafferkey. So, um, you know, they're not going to be making up numbers um, the, the weekend. Mick Bohan on the late Dublin side, will he be disappointed? I'd say he's disappointed. Will he be Will he be upset and all that? Of course he will. He's two games played and no, uh, no win. 
I suppose the two concerns he'll have will be he, he scored six points the first day against Kerry and seven the second day and they're conceding goals so you're not going to win too many matches doing that Reggie so look at um, you know Dublin will want a result out of this on Saturday evening it's two, or t- a Sunday it's two o'clock in, in Ballina Stephen Heights and uh, you know um, as we know um, Mayo were beaten the first day by Mead at home in, in a high scoring game but they did get over Galway by a point so that'll be a very very close game but, but an important game that nobody wants to be uh, particularly from a Dublin point of view three games played and no points no, absolutely not. Not not the ideal place to be. Uh, but hopefully they can steady the ship a, a little bit on that and get back to winning ways and uh, and in the direction that they want to go. Um, now we're talking hurling as well, but we'll probably get into that a little bit more next week and cover it in more detail. But there's still plenty going on. Yeah, just to finish off on the ladies, I, I, I do believe that, that, that Kerry will beat Cork and, and that, that Mead will beat Watford, which will put the two of them six points. But it's worth noting, Armagh uh, went down to Cork last week and, and uh, had a, a great result. I, we, we tipped Cork to win it, so we actually got that wrong. But just to acknowledge, there's marvellous work and a, a great game played by Amy Mackey, uh, Kelly Mallon, uh, Lauren McConville. So uh, they turned out, and you know, let's not forget if if Armagh can win at uh, the weekend, and I expect him to win at home to Galway, Reggie, they'll be three from three as well. So that's really hotting up in the ladies. Absolutely okay. Um, yeah, as I said. So in in the hurling, then well, the hurling, Reggie, it's great. The the, the national hurling leagues are back, which is fantastic. The big game of the day, obviously, is two thirty today in Parnell Park. From from a Dublin perspective, uh, Tipperary come to town, which is never an easy task. Parnell Park is always good to Dublin. Liam Cahill kind of uh, had an interview during the week and basically said that it's his second year. He he wanted silverware. He'll uh, he'll be quite. Um, uh, hopeful that 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 uh, they can get a result here. I've seen the the Dublin team, and uh, there's a couple of new new guys starting, which is great to see. Um, you know, Sean Curry is in from Nafina, Dermot O'Dooling, uh, Brian Hayes is wing forward beside his his brother. So um, you know, and you have a couple of the old stalwarts there. But that's going to be a very very tight game. And don't forget, Reggie, 2025, the league structure changes. There are other games going on, and they're they're important. But it, the other games in in one B. I would see John Kiley's Limerick taking care of um, Darren Gleeson's Antrim and I'd also see Henry Shefflin's Galway taking care of Westmead and there's quite a few good games and as you said Reggie next week there are there is no football next weekend so mm. we will go through these in more detail but I expect Clare will probably get the better of Pat Ryan's uh, Cork Kilkenny and Wexford Derek Ling will want to start beating Wexford um, Brian Cody could always beat them but yeah. Derek hasn't started off great against them New manager in there with with, with Keith Rossiter, uh, and and uh, so I think Kenny will win that they're at home, and it's great to see Offaly back, jo- Johnny uh, Kelly back managing Offaly, but they're they're at home to to Waterford, so that'll be another one to look out. But we'll cover a lot of these games next week, Reggie. Absolutely, yeah. There's uh, there's no doubt about it. I suppose Limerick, uh, everybody's favourites uh, for that hurling championship, but there's plenty of uh, teams who'll be trying to uh, quieten their cough. Let's say there's there certainly will, and, and you know, look, at, it's great to have it back, and and we'll get some type of. Form, I'd say um, at the weekend some teams do start really well in the league uh, you know and, and, and pitter out before the championship really gets in and, and look at Tipperary would certainly be one of them last year Reggie that um 
Tip uh, they, they really started off flying and got to a league semi-final but if you remember they lost their last round robin game at home to Watford which was a surprise but they also uh, left the championship uh, with a two point defeat to Galway in the All-Ireland quarter-final so they, they'll be Liam Cahill will be in town today to, to make amends I've no doubt Absolutely OK we'll turn our attention to the football now and I'm delighted to be joined on the line as well by Brian Talty Good morning Brian how are you? Good morning, Reggie. How are you? Oh, never better, never better. I have Sean in studio here. Uh, the two of us looking forward to some fairly juicy encounters in the football this weekend. Good morning, Brian. How are you? Yeah. Good morning, Sean. How are you? You didn't have a great day last week, uh, Brian, with, with the, the Galway-Mayo game. But I suppose it would not just to talk. We'll start off with the, the Mayo game versus Dublin. Uh, always a, a great game. I suppose Kevin McStay will be happy with, with the results last week. But... Um, do you know, um, you know, Desi Farrell, even though Dublin played well, probably disappointed in the result. What did you make of the two teams? Yeah, they, uh, Dublin played quite well, you know, but they were a little bit sluggish, to be honest with you. I think Desi was a bit disappointed after it, Sean. Um, you know, I thought it, he probably thought they'd put on a better performance. But having said that, you have to give great credit to Monaghan. They came, uh, they took Dublin on at pace, and that could be one of the things that will happen again today with Mayo, because Mayo, they really have great pace coming from their half-back line, so they will try that against Dublin today. But I would expect that the game against Monaghan will bring Dublin on a little bit. You know, a lot of those lads didn't play uh, over in Cup or anything like that now they did play a few challenge matches and everything like that but it's a step up to go to the league again so some of them looked a little bit sluggish uh, Monaghan looked really pacey and good and I think Mayo wouldn't probably try that again today but you know Dublin have, uh, have won most of their games away in, in Castlebar against Mayo over the years so I think they identified that game as a big game and, and I think they'll go for it again today and very unlike Brian Fenton to give that last ball away against Monaghan I don't think I've ever seen him doing it uh, Brian well, God can make mistakes to say, you know what I mean? So, uh, yeah, and I know and I know Brian well, he'd be very disappointed with that. But there's a fellow who is, hasn't got a lot of games in the last while either, himself, Jack McCaffrey, Owen Merchant. Uh, like when you see these fellas showing up for a bit of pace, it means that, you know, maybe their prep is not as good as the opposition uh, and maybe they need games. So so uh, that game when they brought the lads on, Brian would be very upset with giving that ball away, uh, but we'd forgive him for all he's done over the years. Well, that, that's for sure. Thanks for listening to Dublin Stock and Sport on Sunshine 106.8 from myself, Ken and Reggie. Have a good weekend.